0: Welcome to the AcuSprout podcast, where it's my mission to help new practitioners of Chinese medicine navigate from school to career. I'm Stacy. I'm an acupuncturist and herbalist, podcaster, coach, and creator of magical networks. Be sure to check out all four pillars of the podcast where I cover case studies to sharpen your clinical skills, Mindset Mondays to support your mental health, new practitioner interviews to prove that you are not alone, and all things business from launching your practice to negotiating your pay if you choose to be an employee. This podcast is made possible by our sponsors. So if you would like to support the podcast, be sure to check out the sponsors page on the website to claim your special AccuSprout offers. When I first started my practice, I was actually kind of a disaster when it came to my books. I hired an accountant who actually laundered money from another client. So I went on a quest to find a bookkeeper who really tailors to and loves working with acupuncturists. And I found Sarah at Horizon West Bookkeeping and I'm feeling pretty fortunate. Sarah offers acupuncturists and the Accusprout community a couple different packages so that she can meet you where you are. If you're new to practice, she can come in and do what's called a QuickBooks startup package for you, where you get pretty deep discounts on QuickBooks for about four months. She sets up your chart of accounts, assists with linking your bank accounts, makes sure that all the transactions are imported, and then teaches you how to use it with two hours of one-on-one training. It's a killer deal. She also offers cleanup packages and catch-up packages not catch up packages, guys, catch up packages and a monthly package, which is what I use. And I find it quite affordable and so, so, so worth it because honestly, I never since the beginning have been able to keep up with my bookkeeping. You can schedule a free 15 minute consultation with Sarah to make sure that you guys are the right fit for each other. And you can do that at horizonwestbookkeeping.com forward slash accusprout or look for the link in the show notes. Today's episode is also sponsored by Jane, an all-in-one practice management software with helpful features to power your acupuncture practice. Jane offers flexible scheduling options that match the way you work. You have the option of offering one-on-one online sessions for initial consults, meeting in person, and scheduling staggered appointments to accommodate treating patients across different treatment rooms. Jane, how's you covered Keep the relaxation going with a seamless checkout experience using Jane's PCI-compliant payment solution, Jane Payments. You can collect patient credit cards securely through your intake form or at the time of booking with an online booking payment policy. This can also help reduce no-shows in your practice. It's a win-win. And Jane's unlimited SMS and email reminders can be sent automatically before each appointment as an extra layer of no-show protection. To learn more about how Jane's helpful features can help you power your acupuncture practice, head to jane.app to book a one-on-one demo with a member of their team. Or if you're ready to get started, head on over to acusprout.com forward slash Jane. And remember to use the code ACUSPROUT1MO at the time of sign up to get a one-month grace period applied to your new account.
1: I feel like just yesterday afternoon, I left my practice like six, fifteen and just felt this overwhelming sense of joy and knowing that I am in the right place and yes. that I'm serving who I should be and that was really powerful. When you're serving who you want to be serving, you feel good about it and, and you love it and you want to go to work in the morning. Yeah. Yeah. And you don't want to leave in the evening.
0: Welcome to the Sprout Podcast, where it's my mission to create a supportive community for new practitioners of Chinese medicine, while I give you the information and inspiration to help you grow towards your vision of success in your first couple years of practice. This is Stacey Whitcomb, and I am your host. Hey, Sprouts, welcome back to the show. Today, I'm happy to bring you another new practitioner interview Today, I'm interviewing Dr. Joanne Bates, who is a chiropractor, actually. She's located here in Bellingham, Washington with me, and her business is called Rooted in Wellness Chiropractic. Joanne did some things that I was really inspired by and um, got pulled into because of kind of where she's at in business and where I'm at as well. But we also found this group of people that we really vibed with. And I want to bring her on so that she can tell you all about what she's done in her practice and also give you some inspiration for things that you can do in your own practice. So in this episode, we talk about choosing a niche because she did choose to to niche down in the very beginning and work with a very specific population. So we talk about how that affected her practice overall. And she is just now coming on her first year anniversary. So it's a really great time to chat with her. We also chat about things she would do differently in her practice and she is also a cash practice. So we talk about how that works for her and why she did that. And then also we do a deep dive on how she talks about payment and money with her practice members. And lastly, we talk about the Bellingham Birth Collective which is her stroke of genius and this is what I'm talking about that I really think that is quite the gem for new practitioners. It's a really great idea. And so I want to share this with you. This is the main gist of why I did this podcast. So we're bringing that to you as well. And then lastly, listen in and find out what she's going to do next with her marketing. I think that you're really going to benefit a lot from this podcast. So listen in as we chat with Dr. Joanne Bates. Welcome to the show, Dr. Joanne Bates.
1: Hi, thanks for having me.
0: Yeah, yeah. Why don't you tell the audience a little bit about yourself? You're a little different than most of my guests, and I would love to share that with them. So go ahead and tell them a little bit about who you are.
1: Well, I am a chiropractor. I primarily focus on prenatal and pediatrics, and I've been in practice for about a year. Yeah, I opened my doors just a little over a year ago on May 10th.
0: Ah, congratulations. That's awesome. Very good. Yeah. Now, kind of flown by. And so you chose a specialty then, straight out of the Mm -hmm. gate. Yeah. And so what inspired you to do
1: that? Oh, well, a lot of things. (laughs) I don't know how deep you want me to go, but I, I chose chiropractic because of an experience I had with my chiropractor growing up. I started seeing a chiropractor when I was about. Seventeen, and I went to undergrad knowing that I wanted to work with the human body to some capacity and not really knowing what avenue to go down. And my chiropractor was like, "Well, why don't you just come come shadow me for some time?" And I was like, nah, I don't think that's really what I want to do, but I did it anyway because she was very persistent <laughs> and after I think I was shadowing her for maybe a week or two over like a Christmas or summer break when I was home from college. And I got to see her work with a baby, a newborn that was having a hard time latching. So he was having a hard time gaining weight, really kind of failing to thrive. And I could see how that affected not only the baby, but also the mom and like her connection with her newborn. And and I saw my chiropractor work with him for maybe three or four visits. And just in that amount of time, like. Things completely shifted. He was latching better. He was eating more, gaining weight, really thriving. And then the biggest thing for me was just that connection, that mom-son-newborn connection that I saw just completely transform in a week and a half. So that was really incredible and kind of what inspired me to go to chiropractic school in the first place. And then really learning a lot more about that that side of chiropractic. and. Really deepening my knowledge in that field, and then fully knowing that I wanted to come back to Bellingham because that's where I'm from to practice and set up shop. And we don't really have anyone in the area that really specializes and focuses with that population. So that's that's what led me here. That was like the long way around, but that's not
0: long. That's a huge inspiring story. It's awesome. I love I love hearing people's Like the reasons they chose the medicine, mine is completely boring and really uneventful and not inspiring. So I love it when people like that's a really emotional thing to watch. And I can see how it hit pretty hard and affected your decisions down the line. So, Mm -hmm. so you specialize in working with children, pregnant women, infants.
1: Well, the funny thing is, in Washington, we can't say we specialize. Oh, because that's tricky with laws and things. So I can't say I specialize in working with pregnancy and pediatric, which is interesting. But that is my focus. And I have a significant amount of amount of education on top of what we learned in school. So
0: I want to step back on that for a second, because we as in we chiropractors can't do that because I'm in Washington, too. I had no idea we were not we were not allowed to choose a specialization. Is that because that's only for MS medical doctors or is do you know why?
1: You know, I don't know why. I think it's because it makes it like sets you aside from other. Chiro- I don't know, to be completely oh, honest. I, just, I think it might be like, a well, that's not fair because that chiropractor so and so like doesn't specialize in that. And I personally, this is my personal opinion, don't really want to go to someone who does it all. Like a lot of chiropractors are out there saying, I do geriatrics and pediatrics and Mm -hmm. pregnancy and athletes and Mm -hmm. all of these things, which is great to each their own, but I would want to see someone that really has a deep knowledge and understanding of, of the population that I am. So This is one
0: of the things that I talk to the new practitioners about often for many, many reasons. I mean, I can go deep, do a deep dive on it too, but we had this conversation almost, I don't know, at least eight months ago, almost a year ago, maybe, I don't know, but about specialization. And even though we're beginners, even though we're new practitioners, if we start with this population and we see it over and over and over again, it does make us more, Unknowledgeable, obviously. Mm-hmm. Plus, I know that you've been doing a ton of extra training on the side too since you graduated. Mm-hmm. Uh, but it, I also one other benefit, and I just kind of been pointing this out to the to the listeners, is that the way that technology works now, those algorithms. All of those bots, all of those things, crawling websites and who searches you and what they're searching and their search keywords and their um, Joanne set up uh, perfectly like she's going to hit the top of every search in Bellingham for this particular thing. And so you can see how that'll just drive your population directly to you if you choose to to take a niche or at Mm -hmm. least at least one or two, you know. Mm
1: -hmm. So I think that's a a big fear for people starting out because they're like. If I pick a niche and like that's really specific when in reality, like i I'll take anyone that comes to my door because I'm yeah. like a starving small business. So, yeah. yeah, that's been a struggle for me, definitely, the last year is like really trying to have boundaries with with the people in my practice and like really focusing on serving that population so
0: it was a tough decision for you as well to really claim that niche because of. Why exactly? Can you put pinpoint what the feelings were behind that?
1: Just a fear of like, they're not being enough. like
0: that. That's not going to be enough of a population to fill your practice?
1: Correct. Yeah. Yeah. And like, why would I turn away or why would I, maybe if someone walks through my door, that wasn't a good fit for me in my office. Like, why would I refer them to someone else when I could serve them too and yes, still help keep my doors open.
0: So I love this because you've been doing it for a year. You, I watched you really choose this. Like I remember having a conversation with you at the very beginning of like, and folks know I definitely have never coached her. We were just very networking together and having great conversations as new practitioners. And she was talking about this very specific thing, but I I watched this evolution of 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 Dr. Joanne's practice because she did this and her marketing it has been very specific with this with this target group and so let me ask you this joanne when you get people in that don't fit that niche how does it feel when you're treating them?
1: it doesn't it doesn't like fill my cup mm-hmm. so i think over the last maybe four or five months people have started to filter themselves out. Like when I first opened my practice, I obviously was like anyone and everyone that comes in my door, I will take care of happily. And since really like filtering through now, people that are my ideal practice member are the ones walking through my doors. There's no one that's at this point that I'm like, I might want to refer you to someone else. Like every At this point, and I don't know if that's just like, what i've put out in the universe like i don't think it's anything that i'm doing specifically that is causing that but the people that originally came in have slowly started to filter themselves out or i will at that point refer them i do have a couple like my very very first patient that has a special place in my heart <laughs> he will he will stay for as long as he likes but i think for the most part people have have sort yeah. of filtered themselves out i don't know if that answered your question
0: Kind of. But I, I mean, it, it was a good answer for sure. I I experienced this when I started my massage practice 150,000 years ago. And when I very first started, and we didn't have a bunch of technology then. And I think that's probably why this is happening so much more quickly for you. But it took me about two years. Well, I got booked fairly quickly with the massage, but it took me about two years to filter out the people that I that just didn't fit. And then it was very rare that somebody showed up on my table that wasn't my per- like my, my target person. And so I think it does happen faster. Plus, when you walk into your most gorgeous, amazing clinic, it does seem true to I treat children and women. So, mm-hmm. I mean, there's like a little table for little kids to play on you have a changing table you have all sorts of stuff for children in there so it becomes kind of obvious i think that's a good signal right there mm-hmm. so yeah it does i think i think where i'm i was going with that is like you said it didn't fill your cup and so i uh-huh. think that yeah. that is like a, what happens when you're treating people that aren't exactly who you want to be treating and mm-hmm. it doesn't land it doesn't necessarily land for them either i mean they may get better um, but there's always this underlying current of, hmm, maybe not quite the right place. So.
1: Yeah. Yeah, definitely. I feel like just yesterday afternoon, I left my practice like six fifteen, and just felt like this overwhelming sense of just like joy and like knowing that I am in the right place and yes. that I'm serving who I should be. And that was really powerful. Just. Yeah, when you're serving who you want to be serving, like you feel good about it and and you love it. And you want to go to work in the morning yeah. and yeah. you don't want to leave in the evening. Like,
0: I'm super happy for you. That's That's so exciting. We haven't chatted in a while. To my audience, I'm telling you this, we haven't chatted in a while. So it's really cool to see this, how excited she is. Is there anything now that you're in a year... Is there anything that you would have done differently?
1: How so? Because yes, but.
0: <laughs> oh, then please share, whatever it is.
1: Well, I know this, this is more geared towards acupuncturists, so this could be a little bit different for you all. But I, when I started my practice, I went through a chiropractic, like practice ready sort of group. It was a program called Jumpstart geared towards chiropractors and like helping you set up your business. And there was a lot of really, 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 really great things that they offered. And I think without their support, I wouldn't have landed the incredible location that I'm in. But there were some other things that I would have liked to undo, just certain things that I paid for that I think might have been kind of a waste of money, but I didn't know any better because I was brand new. So... Yeah. And you I feel think, yeah,
0: yeah. okay Sherry. that those things that you spent money on that you feel like you maybe shouldn't have.
1: I mean, it's more geared towards chiropractors and it it's kind of hard to explain, but they were setting up certain programs. So I don't take insurance in my practice. I am cash-based and I provide people super bills should they want to submit to insurance. But this program was it's it's hard to explain but it's it basically sets you up so you legally can provide discounts while still taking insurance Mm -hmm. because insurance is kind of a tricky beast in that you can't have a fee schedule for insurance companies and then a fee schedule for your cash based practice members because then that's a dual fee schedule and you're breaking all sorts of laws so this is a basically a company that works with like compliance. So it makes sure that you're compliant with your fee schedules and all sorts of things. And I was a little bit kind of bamboozled into thinking I needed it when I didn't, because I don't take insurance. So Mm -hmm. that's something that I wish I could undo. And there were other, other things like they set me up with a accountant that does accounting for practices that see tens of thousands of dollars a month and I do not so I was getting charged the amount that that accountant would charge any Mm. client of theirs and it was just egregious how much money I was paying for for accounting services when I didn't need to and they fully knew I didn't need to be paying that much
0: right right so there were just parts of this coaching package that were not really what you needed and it's so hard in the beginning because you don't know what you don't know and you don't know what you need and you don't know what questions to ask and that's exactly why I do this podcast because
1: Mm -hmm.
0: I want to dispel some of this for people so
1: yeah um, looking back it's not it's not as hard as you think it is I have a really good friend of mine who's who's going down the road of opening her own therapy practice and in Washington state. So I know a lot of the stuff around like getting your business license, setting up a bank account, all that stuff. And I've been coaching her through that because it's really not as hard as you think it is. Really not.
0: It's not hard, but when when you're coming out, you don't know the order. I mean, here's the thing, Mm -hmm. like I set up, I have a podcast of like the first five things and the the first 10 things you need to do to start a practice. And it literally is that. It's like step one, let's get your license. Step two, once you get your license, bank account, <laughs> yeah, you can go get your bank account. And then once you do your bank account, then you can go do these things. Like it puts it in order because I remember coming out and being like, I know what I need to do. I just don't know what freaking order. And then it just took mm-hmm. so much time. And I just, just like everybody else, I just wanted to be treating patients. I didn't mm-hmm. want to be doing all this stupid crap that I had to do. Mm-hmm. So anyway, you guys, there's, there's, our, there's some podcasts on that. There's two of them. If yeah. you go back and look through the, so I don't, I'm sorry. I don't know off the top of my head, what, numbers there.
1: To add to that really fast. Yeah. Just it's important to have grace with yourself if you do mess up, because take me, for example, I got my license as soon as I got out of school, but I wasn't practicing for at least another year. So I was like, I want I was so excited, brand new out of school. I'm going to get my license and then just had it. But found out when I went to open my practice and get liability insurance that you as soon as you have your license, you're supposed to have liability insurance. So I was just living life with my license, all excited, but not covered by insurance whatsoever. So I think it's important to just have some grace. You're not going to get everything right. And well, and you don't.
0: Yeah, I think you're I think that's really grand advice, because the challenge is, of course, too people from different countries listen to this podcast and people in different states and mm. that requirement for insurance is state dependent
1: oh right uh huh so, i wasn't even i wasn't even practicing so yeah. i just had my license cuz i was excited
0: yeah well so. i had my license in multiple states before i ever like stuck a needle in somebody too mm-hmm. like i'm with you yeah. yeah yeah and be kind to yourselves that's for sure so tell me a little bit about, so I love this fact that you're cash-based. To me, this is super interesting and it was interesting as well because I'm also cash-based. And so watching you grow has been inspiring and exciting also because it's a, it's a scary choice to make, I think, especially in this town. This is one of those places where people can get acupuncture coverage and chiropractic with their insurance. So tell me why you chose that. And I'm also curious a little bit about your onboarding process with your patients to get them to accept your, your treatment plans.
1: Hmm. Okay. Well, going cash based was a little bit of a no brainer for me. Like I, it wasn't really super scary only because I had conversations with other practitioners over time even when I was in school and most of them were saying just don't even bother going insurance route once you're on an insurance plan it's really really hard to get off and I knew that I wanted to be more of a solo practitioner I didn't want to originally like start out the gate with a big bunch of employees so at this moment in time I am a one-woman show. I do all of the things myself. Except for Petey. He's my little robot vacuum that cleans the office.
0: (laughs) I like the delineation of "Ah, I do everything but but vacuum.
1: Yes, Petey does the vacuuming. He's great. But no, I lost my train of thought. Yeah, it's... I also... So billing insurance is just a lot of work behind the scenes. And insurance companies like to like to decide how much you're worth. And so if it costs me $30 a visit just to keep my doors open, just to cover my overhead, insurance companies might say, maybe you're worth 25 And it's just a battle trying to even get them to pay. And it's just not worth it. Because insurance companies are not especially in the business of keeping people healthy. They just want to get you out of pain, get you out of whatever sickness or d- disease you have. And that's where they cut off care. So part of it was that and part of it was just wanting to like shift the narrative around healthcare in general. Like we are a big society that really focuses on sick care. We only seek help when we're not well. So, trying to shift that narrative into keep keeping healthy bodies and nervous systems is a lot easier than getting out of illness.
0: I think a very giant percentage of acupuncturists would agree with you on that. Mm-hmm. I also like to try to help people shift their thinking, especially when they're investing their pocket money to their health, that inv- it's an investment in your health right like mm-hmm. What else would you, what's the number one priority that you would want to invest in anyway? I just really think I I agree with it too. Um, mm-hmm. It's sort of an educational route for people to start transitioning into thinking more about taking care of themselves as opposed to taking care of their illness. Mm-hmm. Uh, so what does working with you look like?
1: So, so people, I let them kind of book their own first appointment on my online booking on chain. Love, Jane.
0: See, guys.
1: Shout out to Jane. See,
0: Jean, sure. Jane works with chiropractors and PTs. Too. Yes. You're welcome, Jane. <laughs> there you go. Yeah, so I
1: use that that software and it allows people to book their appointments on their own end, which I've heard nothing but great things about. It's super easy, super user friendly, and all of my practice members love it. That allows them to book their first appointment and then Jane will immediately email them paperwork. Super easy takes time off of me and my end without having to answer the phone so my phone doesn't ring a whole lot in that sense and now I'm afraid it is going to ring as I said <laughs> my <by> office <laughs> that's okay we can edit it out it's all right oh so, okay so, so they book their first appointment yes and then I do a day one visit so I do a full history intake exam and then kind of explain chiropractic care to them a lot of people that come to see me that have seen other chiropractors in the past still don't have a full grasp on on what it is that I do because I'm more focused on nervous system health and care so I dive deep into that and explain to them how that works and then I'm going
0: to jump in here for a second and say I've I've been through this eval and it's really honestly it's it's different than the other chiropractors that I've been to and she does some work with heart rate variability which is fascinating guys so cool. She can measure heart rate variability.
1: Okay, go yeah, ahead. <laughs> that's that's my favorite one. Actually. I
0: love it. It's amazing. Okay, go
1: ahead. So, and then I have people come back for a second visit and that I call my report of findings. So that's where I sit down and show people their scans, go over them thoroughly with them, make sure they have any questions that I've answered and then go through what care looks like. I typically gear care plans towards the individual. So what their scans look like, what their symptoms look like coming in, how their exam went, and what their goals are for care is a big one. Like if someone is just trying to get out of pain, then that will change the trajectory of how I set up care for them versus someone who's like really, really interested in full body, like nervous system care. And so we work through, I kind of have different care phases that we work through and then ultimately transitioning people into wellness care so they can, they can just continue down that road of staying healthy and having a solid nervous system that can adapt to stress of life and. Huge. Yeah.
0: So how do you work the money? Do you have people pay for a big package, how do, you, how do you present that? This is something that I find that no matter what kind of practitioner you are, if you're a solopreneur, collecting money is challenging to a very large percent of people. So how do you go about talking about what you charge and how they will be charged in the future?
1: So I go over their care plan and what that looks like. And again, it's like individualized. So each person will have kind of a different setup With that. And then that's their like corrective care phase. And so in my office, because I'm cash based, I can really tweak prices and things and really help make it more affordable for people. So I will create like a plan for them, like I was saying, with the total amount of care. And then I offer a couple different payment options in my practice. So if you choose, you can pay for the whole care plan in full and when people do that i take 20 percent off because on the back end it saves me a lot of time because i'm not charging their card every single time they come through and it saves me money because each time you charge their card the payments system takes i want to say three percent yeah three percent and 10 cents Mm -hmm. of every charge so if they only take if they take three percent of the total and only 10 cents one time, then mm-hmm. that saves me money versus each time it adds up. So that's an option or I offer monthly payment options. So then I take 10% off of that. And then I also offer just paying per visit, which a small portion of people do because, because it's more, it just makes more sense for them. Mm-hmm. Uh, I just like to encourage people to really give give care a good shot a good 12 visits before they make up their mind that it is or isn't for them.
0: So what do you do if somebody pays for, say, a monthly, they're they're paying monthly, but then they don't show up to their appointment or something happens, they miss an appointment
1: during that month? It just gets tacked on to the end of care. Mm, I don't okay. know how it works in other states, but in Washington state, you can't charge people for care they don't receive. So that's another stipulation I tell people up. Upfront, like if you choose option A, that's really great. And if at some point you decide this office isn't for you, you move away. Something happens. So, for example, I had a practice member of mine who had paid for her whole care plan upfront, and then a couple weeks in, she had a family emergency and had to move home. So. That's a stipulation I put up front and let people know if they choose to pay for all of their care up front. And if something happens, I will reimburse them for any care that they don't receive. And then on the opposite, if they choose the monthly care plan, because we, I typically set up my care plan so I see you more frequently in the beginning, sometimes that can cause people to accrue a balance on their account. So they will be they will have received more care than they have paid for if they choose that option. And so at that point, then if they decide to discontinue care, then they owe the balance. And so I talk about that when I explain my care plans to them.
0: So you do you invoice those people through Jane then? Is that how you collect from them?
1: Um, of them, yes.
0: I'm just curious because I have never had a balance on anybody's account as a cash
1: mm-hmm. pay. Length. So I'll, so I'll do like a monthly. So s- just to make it simple, like s- say for three months of care, there that costs like six hundred dollars. But the six hundred dollars isn't evenly spread out, so it's not two hundred each month. Mm-hmm. Maybe they'll receive like three hundred dollars worth of care in the first month because they're seeing me more often. So they'll have. 200 dollars that credit on their account that they paid for that first month but when we near the end of the month they might have a balance on their account so basically they owe me money okay at the end of that month but at the end of the 3 months it'll even out
0: do you send them invoices so they can see what you're doing or do you just just write it out and then if they ask for something then you just are able to print it
1: out and show them i send them receipts for when they pay for their care and then some people need statements mm. for submitting for insurance. Like some people sure. use their HSA to pay for care. And then in that case, they won't need a statement. So then I, sub- once they've received all of the care that they've paid for, then I'll submit them a full statement that breaks down each individual visit, how much that they paid for that, and how it all evens out.
0: So to my listeners again I know that was like really in depth and deep but when you when you get to this point or maybe you're already here but if you're just a student still and you're listening to that these are like really things that you have to think through and so it's really awesome to find somebody who has done it to bounce ideas off of so you might at some point need to come back to this podcast and and re-listen to that part because I just learned a bunch because I've never done it that way but it's definitely I I, I like it. I, I I would consider trying it that way. So, thanks for the the teaching moment. Yeah. So let's see here. What have you done for marketing? So oh wait. So let's get to the exciting part. So the whole reason <laughs> that I have, Dr. Bates on here is that I watched her do this most incredible marketing thing, and it I feel like it just It just blew up, and it it just it just turned into something that was like. Holy cow. Wow. That was so many connections so quickly. Such a huge network. Just it apparently there was such a need for it. So Joanne created what's called the Bellingham Birth Collective. Tell the
1: audience a little bit about that. Well, where should I begin? So well, where did you get the
0: idea? Or tell us what it is first and then where you got the idea.
1: So it's basically, well, the reason behind creating the group was that I didn't have any connections into the birth world as far as like practitioner go practitioners go so i was getting people in my practice being like oh who do you recommend for prenatal massage who do you recommend for acupuncture who do you recommend for a good midwife and i didn't have any people and i am a big proponent of referring people to to people who I know and trust because I'm not just going to send you out the door to anyone because I don't know if you're going to have a good experience with them. So really forming those connections was the motivation behind creating the group. So the Bellingham Birth Collective basically is a group of a bunch of different practitioners that all work with pregnancy and pediatric to some degree. And I kind of floated the idea by Heather. physical therapist who I met and her and I she kind of grabbed it and we like ran with it we had the first meeting in my office it was like were you there for that no I
0: missed that one I was I had patients that night but I think that was in. when was that was that in January
1: no I think it was probably before that like in November like right before the holidays yeah yeah, There was like maybe five of us in my office and yeah. we just sat and chatted for a good two hours. And it was just really great to connect with other people that works, work with other or work in the pregnancy pediatric realm. And then we created a Facebook group and then from there we created an Instagram and it really just like took off like wildfire. I didn't realize there were so many people in the community that really f- craved that connection with other practitioners. We continued to have meetings we had to move them down to Heather's office because my office just wasn't big enough for everyone, which is a great, great problem to have. And yeah. And then from there, we threw our first annual birth fair. And that happened back in the end of April, which went really well.
0: So just to go back, Sprouts, she... The steps that she took, like inception of an idea, like had an idea, like let's build this collective group of practitioners who can contribute to this this group in different ways there are like i was in it and there's also another ac- acupuncturist in it so there are like a couple of whatever the same type of practitioners but we're all different people so it doesn't matter there are doulas there are pediatric physical therapists there are like it just turned into i think what you guys did too was you invited or wait heather invited me but th- at the same time, I was already like had walked down to your office to introduce myself to you. So it was kind of like this. It was supposed to come together anyway. But uh. it just sort of like sprouted like so-and-so invited so-and-so as an open group, guys. Mm-hmm. So it was a totally open group for anybody who was interested in belonging to this and cross-referring and getting to know each other and working together. And it it she's not kidding. It went from like, five people to i don't even know how many people are on the facebook page now but how many people showed up to your last meeting
1: the one right before the birth fair that we had a a smaller people group of people that showed up yeah turn out out. but the one before i think the one you were at we probably had like 15 to 20 yeah yeah and then when when the birth fair came around we had a total of 18 people 18 show up
0: 18 18 vendors
1: yeah really that's Mm -hmm. for a first gosh that's so good and we had we had a handful more that wanted in but we just didn't have the space for it oh my gosh
0: see so and then not only that the marketing because you have all of these different types of practitioners they're telling everybody on their Facebook and their social media and all of their followers and and so what Mm -hmm. has do you feel like this impacted your business how do you feel like this impacted your business or has it yet because you could just be planting seeds at this point with all of these people
1: at this point that's what it is about it's more just planting seeds and like really connecting with people and a lot of people don't know chiropractors can see babies and chiropractors can help with a lot of the a lot of the complaints through pregnancy low back pain pubic bone pain things like that So it was really just like connecting with and educating other people. And for me, it's it's more the long game. Like I plan to be in this community for a long, long time. And so really like really creating strong connections with the people that are here and sharing that with the community because we have a really awesome, incredible group of practitioners. And I think there's part of the community may or may not be like missing out on on different opportunities so just really deep connections and yeah planting those seeds and watching them grow <laughs> little sprouts
0: plus you're helping other people too that's what I love about it I love networking when it works like this right because you're mm-hmm. helping you've sent people to who have you referred out to how
1: about that I've referred a lot to Haley who's the other acupuncturist hmm a lot of the pelvic floor physical therapists that we have in the group, I need I need more prenatal massage people to refer to, a lot of lactation consultants, a lot of doulas, midwives. Yeah. Yeah. I just, I just wanted to
0: share that with the audience because I, I just, I saw it happen and I was like, oh, that was so smart. That was such a great yeah. move. And it just... When I met everybody and it, and you guys know, like I talk about how I'm introverted, but this was sort of a small group, which I do pretty well in and sometimes can even work into a voice, a little bit of a leader voice in in situations like that, which I didn't because it's not my group, but so many cool women in that group, so many interesting things that they're doing, so many ways to support women and children. It was really such
1: a great group. So mm-hmm. Yeah. I'm really excited to see see how it evolves over the next several years. Like next year we'll have it in a bigger space and and maybe we'll offer like little mini talks. So if someone wants to give a talk about prenatal nutrition, we have an awesome dietitian in the group. So things like that and really create like a whole day event for people in the community to learn and meet these resources and yeah. Yeah.
0: There's so many things that you could do, even just mm-hmm. in the marketing. You could pick one one person out of the group and collaborate and, and create an educational series. Like there's just so many things you can do. Mm-hmm. So yeah. Congratulations on that stroke of genius.
1: Yeah. Well, it, it was an idea I stole from someone.
0: I know. That's <laughs> where I was about ready to ask you. Where did you get this idea?
1: So a friend of mine, he is a prenatal and pediatric chiropractor up in Alaska, and he is part of Unironically, the Alaska Birth Collective. So that's kind of where I adopted the name from. Yeah. And like the whole idea. So they have a nonprofit up there and they do, as far as I know, they do biannual, they call them baby fairs. So twice a year they have these and it's been going for several years. So it's a lot bigger than than what we have going now. But that's ultimately what I would love to to morph this group into, maybe down the line, create some sort of nonprofit with the group. So we can provide these services and resources to people in the community that don't have the resources to pay for them and make it accessible for, for a lot of people. Cause if I'm being honest, a lot of things like chiropractic and having a doula and those things are a bit more of a luxury. So being able to provide that to, to people that don't have the ability to pay for it would be my dream and and really create like a like a pamphlet or even a website for people to go to to look up all the resources as well cool it's exciting mm-hmm.
0: good job what else have you done for marketing that you feel like
1: has worked or is part of your building process or so it's been it's been a journey <laughs> it is isn't it yes i started out doing, I think I did some Google ads and maybe some Facebook ads. <laughs> Funny story. I put a Facebook ad out. And within a couple days, I got a Facebook message from this chiropractor in Maine. So the other side of the country. And he was like, I th- I think you might have to do something to this because I'm getting oh, targeted th- for your ad.
0: Because <laughs> it, it was, was it Bellingham, Maine?
1: I don't think so. Oh, okay. I, I don't know. I just didn't put the location on. I don't know. I messed up. So it's, again, a journey. And I did have... Did you say had you're a welcome? Google, yeah. He was a chiropractor. I was like, yeah. You're <laughs> welcome. So, yeah, I had a Google ad up for a little bit. And it was bringing in a lot of people that were not my ideal patient. Mm-hmm. So after that, I was like, mm, yeah, I'm going to just pull this. It's not really worth, worth the money and my time if I'm seeing a lot of people. Just a bunch of people old white men. Yeah, no offense, offense, old white men, but like my office is at the office for you. And it just kind of turned into a little bit of a waste of time. So I focused a lot more on my Instagram page because I think a lot. You have to think about who your ideal practice member is or patient or client or whoever you refer to them as and think about where they are. Are they at a yoga class? Do they shop at the co-op? Do they take their dog for a walk like what what are they doing and then like going to those places and meeting them or targeting them there so my ideal client probably spends time on Instagram and like does their research that way like they're gonna look for the hashtag of like a chiropractor or something like Bellingham chiropractor so I use those hashtags for location and and my specialties and
0: I'll hashtag like this, I'll hashtag <laughs> this for you when I put it in the Instagram feed when I release yes. this episode. And then you'll get a lot of pings on your on your hashtag.
1: I mean, I am by no means a wizard when it comes to Instagram. I feel like it's changing daily and I've listened to a lot of podcasts talking about how to how to best utilize that as a resource and it's always changing, so sometimes hashtags are the way to go, sometimes they're not. It's just it's just about putting what you want into it. And I think that's just where I've been getting a lot of people into my practice was through that Instagram marketing and the the website, which is another thing I need to work on a lot is really focusing on the SEO on my website because that I'm learning is really important when someone's just on Google. Yes.
0: Yeah, so... I've been deep diving on SEO. Have you done a lot of SEO on your website because because you're a niche? If you did a little bit of SEO, it would it would really pop.
1: It would really drive your algorithm and people would find you super. Yeah, that's the goal. I'm walking a fine line between like wanting to do everything myself because I don't have the money to pay someone else to do it for me, but also like not having the time to do it myself. So I've gone down a couple of rabbit holes of looking for help and it's been a little bit out of my price range. So I'm like, well, maybe I just need to sit down and learn, learn what it takes and really update my website because whenever, and it's happened probably twice, but if someone comes into my office and they say me they found me from my website, I am very shocked because I don't think I'm on the first, first page of Google and. But I had one person come in. She's like, no, I went through every single chiropractic website in Bellingham and I liked yours the best. And I'm nice. like wow.
0: <laughs> I'm honored. <laughs> That's what so. that it takes. So I'm a little bit similar. Like when people came in and they were like, yeah, I found your website and I'm usually like, mm, I don't know how that happened. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> I've been out a lot of time to spend on that. I mean, yeah. now it's amazing, but it takes I, time. Yeah. So I do have, I, I, I may put out just a, a quick podcast on it because I have been researching it a lot and I sort of have an idea of how to, how to make just things that you can do that you don't have mm-hmm. to hire out for. Is there anything else you want to share with new practitioners?
1: you can do it. <laughs> I think that's like the biggest hurdle people people suffer with is like feeling like they they don't have the ability to to open their own practice and like it might feel easier to go work for someone else, but if that's really your dream, then by all means you can do it. You have the resources. I'm sure you have people you can talk to about how they got to where they are at. And I'm always willing to chat. I'm not the expert again by any means, but I could talk to people about my struggles and things I would do differently. But I think that's the biggest thing is like, you, you can do this. You can do it. If I can do it, you can do it.
0: I love it. That's, that's always the, that's always the words of wisdom and inspiration is just, just get out there and just do it. Just, Mm -hmm. I have this, I have this quote. You don't have to get, wait, what is it? You don't have to get it perfect. You just have to get it started. Mm -hmm. You know, it's a good one. Yeah. And I think that that's because I tend to struggle with perfectionism. And so I actually strive to put stuff out that is completely imperfect and just let it go, you know, so.
1: Yeah. Something my mentor always, always said to me, and I wish I could remember who this quote is from. I have it written on the front page of my journal. But she always says, at the moment of commitment, the universe conspires. Mm. So it's really just about jumping off, jumping off the ledge and starting. Yeah. It doesn't have to be perfect. Yeah.
0: Great. Well, I feel like this is a bit of a winding down point. So I just want to thank you again for coming on. Yeah. Yeah. Congratulations on your first year. And I, I, I've seen what you're doing and it's, you're just, you're just amazing. It's just going to keep booming and growing for you. And it's a beautiful practice, you guys. Thank you. Yeah. Thanks for coming on. Yes. Thanks for having me. That's it. That's the end of the show. Thanks for tuning in. I really appreciate you guys. And if you appreciate this podcast, it would be amazing if you could head on over to Apple Podcasts and leave a great review. And if you don't like what I'm doing, then it's okay. No worries. Just skip That's it. That's the end of the show. Thanks for tuning in. I really appreciate you guys. And if you appreciate this podcast, it would be amazing if you could head on over to Apple Podcasts and leave a great review. And if you don't like what I'm doing, then that's okay. No worries. Just skip